Today we begin a new series during a time when many people are hurting. Uh, more than that, people are feeling at times helpless, and we're ready to move on. I don't know how many of you are, feel like at times you're just ready to move on to the next thing that God has before us. But over the next few weeks, we're going to go back to God's word and make sure that we're grounded in the truth that we can trust in him and know that our hope is in Christ no matter what we face. There's hope for everyone, whether you're watching online or you're gathered here or you're listening on the radio. I want you to know there's hope for you. There, there is hope in Jesus Christ for all of us. No, no matter what you've faced in the past, no matter where you live now, no matter how much anxiety you have, there is hope in Jesus Christ. And if we're not careful, though, that anxiety and fear can grow and it can creep in and our hearts can begin to hurt. I've never heard uh, more people say they're ready for a new year than this year. You know, we just got through August. Uh, October and it's it's November 1st um, and I've heard more people than I've ever heard before at this time of the year say I'm I'm just ready for 2020 to be done and, and 2021 to come because we're distracted 2020 has been hard on us but just this week I was talking to a friend and, and I'd heard this before we, we this was October for crying out loud and, and they they declared I'm just so glad 2020 is going to be over soon 2021 is going to be so much better than this and then it happened, I saw them freeze for a moment and literally be silent and pain come over their face. You know why? Because they weren't sure if what they were saying was true. They, they said it again, 2021 is going to be so much better than this, right? Or is it? <laughs> they began to have some fear and some anxiety. Their hearts began to be troubled. Our world is changing so fast, we're not sure what's coming next. But that's the way it's been from the beginning. Uh, there have been many different ages that, that kind of came and went the the stone age the ice age the bronze age the iron age uh, we, we've lived through the space age recently we're, we're in that and we they declare the age we're living in now the information age but there's a group of people that have declared the age we're in right now the last few years and especially now it's called the age of anxiety i don't know if you've heard that but it's among, it's all upon us this age of anxiety uh, where, where uh, fear can creep in in a moment's notice. Robert Fulford said this, an author. He says, I've seen the future and it doesn't work. I would agree with him. The future, apart from Jesus Christ, does not work. It, it is overwhelmed. It, it is overloaded. And there is no hope in that. But as we're one nation under God, as, as we as a, a civilization, as humans, as we come back to God, it does work. Michelle Goldberg of the New York Times recently wrote, we have become a society that has lost its ability to hope in what is to come. Man, that's sad. To acknowledge that we're a society that, that can't find hope in, in, the, in the future. But one of the most respected philosophers of her day said this, and I quote, I have a new philosophy in life. I am going to begin dreading only one day at a time. You know who said that? Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown uh, kind of uh, uh, is a very fitting philosopher our day and age where people are dreading every day because there seems to be no hope. Uncertainty seems to be filling a heart and we are hurting. But I want you to know today in Christ, there's hope for those who are hurt. So if you're hurting today, uh, we're going to dive into God's word and dispel a lot of this myth that there is no hope. There is. The federal agency hotline um, for people that are distressed recently reported that they have had a thousand percent increase in calls over year to date. A thousand percent more people are calling and saying we're, we're troubled. They're, they're disheartened and distressed at an alarming rate. But it's nothing new. 
The disciples became distressed. They became troubled. The, the, the men that walked with Jesus for three years of their life, there was a point when things were changing so fast that they were broken and they felt no hope. Turn with me in your Bibles to John 13. In John 13, we, we see this transition from, from a, a life of confidence in Christ to a life of, oh no, what's going on? There's chaos. They had just been in an amazing situation with Jesus in the upper room. They'd had a meal together. Can you imagine just hanging out with Jesus, uh, you and your, your 12 closest friends, and, 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 and one of them happens to be Jesus? After the meal, Jesus slows down, and he begins to wash their feet. And he says, hey, uh, serve others if I have served you. If you want to follow me, it's, it's about service. Man, that goes right along with our mission. It's where our mission flows from. Love God, love people, serve all. Jesus, and, and when he's got a very little amount of time left, he's saying, make sure you're serving others. And then he tells them something that's very truthful but troubles their heart dearly. Look with me to the text, to chapter 13, starting with verse 21. Here's what he says. He says, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. <laughs> that's like dropping a bomb on the room where, where everyone's feeling good. They're, they're all uh, joining together. He, sa he says, one of you are going to be a, a betrayer. His disciples stared at one another. I think that's an understatement. Can you imagine this room? And we kind of seen the imagery of what that may have looked like reclining on the ground around a table. And they just begin to just stare. Is it you? Is it you? Matthew tells us that they began to declare, not I, Lord, surely not I. There, there was chaos in the moment. They were at loss for which one he meant. One of them, the disciple who Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. I, I this is John writing this, uh, this gospel, and John is the disciple that Jesus loved, and he's just kind of dropping this, hey, the one Jesus loved was right next to him. And Peter mentioned to that guy, which is John, and says, ask him which one he means. Peter, uh, with all the courage he had, Peter was like, I'm kind of afraid to ask. So he says, John, you ask him. Who's going to betray him? And leaning against Jesus, John asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is the one whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in, in the dish. Jesus doesn't waste any time. He goes, okay, if you want to know who it is, it's the one I'm going to dip this bread and give it to. And then you know what he does? He dips the bread and gives it to this guy. Look what it says. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as, Jesus, as, soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. This is one of the most chilling portions of Scripture that I've ever uh, can imagine reading. Uh, the, the moment where Satan actually overwhelms a man. And you're like, why would Jesus uh, purposely let this man be overwhelmed? Why did he bring this on, Judas? Jesus didn't do it. Judas had allowed his love for money and his love for power to lead him to this point. And Jesus released it to happen. So Jesus told them, what you're about to do, do quickly. But no one at the mill understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas was, had charged, uh, was in charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to go buy what was needed for the festival or give something to the poor. As soon as G Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. Man, I read over that a few times this week, and it was night, and it didn't mean much to me. I was like, there, there's something interesting about the fact that the Word of God highlights this was night. You know what I believe he highlights this as night? Because when trouble things happen, it is magnified in the dark. We just went through Halloween last night. Thank God for the full moon. The full moon was amazing. 
But have you ever been in the dark? I mean, really in the dark? The littlest things of trouble are magnified. It, it may, you, you may open a, a letter uh, announcing some trouble or a bill, and if the sun is bright and shining, you can get through that more. But if you open at night when you're alone in the dark, it's, it's troublesome. Maybe someone gives you a call of bad news, someone is sick, and if you're alone in the dark, it's magnified. These, this message the disciples were, were receiving and left with was magnified because they were in the dark. Guys, as a society in general, we're in the dark right now. In fact, someone recently declared that we're going to go through a dark winter. Without Jesus, this winter has already begun to be dark. But in Christ, we, we can stay focused on the fact that he is king. And we need to follow through with what he's saying here. But the disciples in this darkness began to be overwhelmed. Their hearts began to be troubled. They were good men. They'd followed Jesus for three years. Yet they were human and when they heard this message in the dark, their hearts began to be troubled. Maybe you can relate to them as well. Your hearts are troubled because you receive uh, bad information after, or after bad news. Maybe a loved one dies. Maybe, maybe a relationship fails. Maybe your finances are falling apart and you're troubled. The disciples had at least three things to be troubled about. The first is this. Jesus tells one of them, hey, you're, you're going to be a traitor. One of you is going to betray me. I mean, that's, that's brutal news. Uh, Matthew highlights this again. We talked about this. They began to say, not me. It must be you. Surely it's not me. Secondly, Jesus tells him in verse 33. I don't know if you caught it when we read it. He says, my children. Some people would like to think, well, this was a warm, fuzzy moment. He's like, oh, my, my sons, my children come to me. No, he's like, you're, you're, you guys are like little children. You, you've not uh, reached the maturity that you should have by now. And what I'm about to share with you is, is going to be very troublesome. He goes, I'm, I'm not going to be with you, but only a little longer, and where I'm going, you cannot come. You know what hurts as much as anything right now, I believe, in this pandemic is we're not able to be with some people we want to be with. I heard of another family today that laid a, a loved one to rest, and they were not able to be with that loved one as they passed. That is wrong. It troubles our hearts. And the disciples are hearing from Jesus, hey, where I'm going, you can't go. And they're like, no, we want to be with you. You talk about a troublesome spirit to come upon them. Thirdly, Peter says, hey, I'm ready to go wherever you go. Peter had went all, so many places. He, you know, he, he, he had went out on the water, walking on water. That's the confidence that Peter had. Peter's like, Jesus, you should know by now. I'm going to go wherever you go. And Jesus says, no, you, know, you can't go where I'm going now. You may go later, but not now. In fact, he says, you're going to deny me. You're going to disown me three times. So here we have the disciple with as much uh, courage as anyone. And Jesus says, you're going to be a casualty of fear in the next few days. Guys, if we don't focus on Christ, each one of us, uh, we're probably uh, not nearly as strong as Peter. We can become a casualty of fear in a moment's notice. So we have to stay focused on Christ. He says, you children... And he starts, they start acting like children. I don't know if you were around any children last night, or uh, maybe, maybe you have children of your own, or grandchildren, or nieces and nephews. You know what a child does as much as anything? They ask questions. Why? How? Who? Uh, which ones? If you are around a child at all, this is a, 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 just a, you just know this is something children do. And so Jesus calls them children. You know what they start doing? Asking questions. Look at some of the questions they ask in verse 36. He, they say, Lord, where are you going? Where? In 37, Lord, why? 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 Why can't we follow you? In verse, uh, chapter 14, verse 5, they, they say, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? How can this be? Why, why is this happening? 
And then Philip, I think he changes the tune a little bit. He sh- shows a little bit more maturity. Instead of asking a question, he just makes a request. He like becomes a teenager all of a sudden. Well, if you just at least do this, then we'll be okay. Here's what he says. Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough. I wonder if 2020 hasn't made you a little like a child. And, and, and at times... Uh, taken us away from the maturity that we should have and we begin to ask questions uh, uh, lots of questions like this where are you lord why, why is all this happening how much worse does it have to get who, who will be our leader since you're not here when will enough be enough I don't know if you can relate to any of those questions. I think they're questions that are plaguing many of our hearts. The disciples had these type of questions, and these were great godly men. You may feel the same way. I think one of the reasons they asked these questions is they sat down uh, to have this last meal together. Jesus washed their feet, and he tells them this. They are declaring, this is not what we thought was going to happen. This is not the way we saw it going. Man, that's true of me. uh, There's been so many days in 2020 where I'm like, I I didn't see this happening. I I never thought it was going to go this direction. Maybe you feel that right now. There's so much that's happening. I I thought it would be different. And Jesus doesn't leave them there. He he begins to instruct them. For many people that are trusting in Jesus, we we really need to, to put that. So many people want to trust Jesus for a future, but we've got to learn to trust Jesus for what's hitting us right now in the face. Uh, please, please understand this. We, we need to, to really ha- have a moment where we trust Jesus for what's, what's coming into our lives right now. Amen. They're hopeless, dying. And Jesus sees them hurting. Here's what he says in John 14, 1. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Look, look to the text. This is what he's telling us today as well. Do not let your hearts be troubled. While their hearts were hurting, Jesus gives them one of the most compassionate sections of Scripture we can ever have. And I want to share it with you again today. He says, not only do not let your hearts be troubled, he says, trust in God and trust in me. If you're here today and you can hear these words, Jesus crying out to you as well. While all these things you see, you never thought they would happen, he is declaring, trust in God and trust in me. This trust is for all people. Here's the first thing I would like you to write down and put in your hearts. Hope for the hurting rests on the fact that Jesus Christ is completely trustworthy. He is completely trustworthy. The Greek word here for troubled is often uh, translated also distressed or anguished or full of turmoil. That may be exactly how you feel. Uh, Distressed, full of turmoil, anxious. And he says, don't continue to live that way. The Greek word here is not just stop at once. He says, stop it ongoing. Uh, Don't let your hearts continue to live in this distress. But trust in me. You know, these were children he was dealing with, children of the faith. But have you noticed when a child's heart is troubled, maybe they're even crying. It's not enough just to say, uh, trust this. Uh, It's not enough just to say, uh, stop crying. It happened this week to us at the Graber house. Daly was playing Legos with her brothers, two of them. And they had built these Lego creations. And somehow hers fell and broke. And her heart became broken. And she came upstairs, Tiffany and I. And she was crying, and she was unconsolable. She just kept crying, and, and I did it. It's not great parenting, but I just finally, after a while, said, stop crying. Stop crying. And then I realized the boys that used to work, they, I think they were a little afraid of me. If I said stop crying, they would stop. And, and daily just cries more if I say stop crying. 
And then I realized as I was studying this text, Jesus didn't just say, hey, stop having your hearts be troubled. Stop crying, little children. He told them this, trust in me and trust in God. He gave them, he gave them some, some reasons not to cry. That's not the way my dad, ha- my dad handled it. My dad would come into the room when I was crying. Maybe I'd just been punished for some reason, and, and he's probably tired of hearing me crying. He says, stop crying. He goes, uh, he would simply say, stop crying. If you don't stop crying, I'll give you something to cry about. That's not what Jesus does. He doesn't just say, stop having your hearts troubled. He says, trust in God and trust in me. He's not just talking about our salvation. Man, this is, this is good news. Hang with me here. Jesus does say, well, well you're, you're going to never get through this on earth, but trust in me for your salvation. No, he says, trust in me now. Not only for your salvation in the future. Whatever you're going through now, put your trust in me. Uh, notice this. We should trust Jesus for our eternal salvation, but also to get us through our extreme storm right now. We, we, we are not really followers of Christ if we're like, oh, the only thing Jesus can really handle is our salvation. No, he can handle your storm now. He can handle not only your future, but he can handle what's hitting you in the face. So keep trusting him. One of the hardest things, I think, to, at times to trust him with now, more than just our eternal salvation, is our finances. Sometime during 2020, uh, the elders sat down early on, and we were like, we don't know how it's going to go. You know, uh, we're not gathering. Uh, we don't know what's going to be. We don't know how we'll be able to continue to, to share with missions and pay the th- you know, all, the, all the expenses. I want you to know, while we didn't know how it was going to go, God blessed us more than we could imagine. That may be true of you as well. It may not be. But, but as we were trusting God in 2020, we were uh, blown away by how he blessed the church through you being a blessing. Does that mean it went the way we thought? Absolutely not. <laughs> But what we have decided, I want to share this with you today, for 2021, even though it's only November 1st, we have decided to continue to trust God with our finances. The elders and the admin team have established a budget that trusts in Jesus. And it may not go, and I I would go out on a limb, it probably will not go as planned. But God is bigger than that. We can trust him. What one thing we didn't want to do is say, well, we don't know how things are going to go, so we're going to really pull back and live in fear. No, we're living in faith, and we're being uh, very conservative and uh, very uh, frugal with the resources. But we're also, when we see an opportunity to do something for the Father, we're going to do it because he has blessed us. One of the things you need to know about the budget is, is we're trusting God in our 2021 budget by keeping the budget the same as 2020. 2020, we did not use the budget all the time, but it's a guide for a future. We're saying, God, we trust in you in this. That means the budget is staying at 1.3 million. That's a lot of money in the middle of a pandemic. But I want you to know right now in, the, in, in this time of the pandemic, we have more resources to, available to us to meet needs for our community and for our church family than we did last year at this time. That doesn't mean we've had more income. Now, it, it, we haven't, but we have reduced our spending and God has blessed us and provided that means our weekly need is going to continue to be $25,000 a week. I wonder how you can help with that. Uh, later on in the week, if you've been a partner in the past, you're going to receive a letter in the mail. It's going to detail the budget completely. We're not going to bore uh, each other with this right now, but our budget's going to stay the same, and we wonder how you can help be a partner with that. Pray about that and, and consider returning that letter. You may say, well, I've never partnered with before and I'd like a chance to do it. Let us know that because you're not probably going to get a letter this week if you've never partnered in the past. One of the greatest things that I want to show that we are uh, trusting God with our 2021 budget is this. We are continuing uh, to commit to our mission partners locally and globally 
like never before. Our budget for missions is staying the same as well. In 2020, in the midst of uh, less income, our budget was $170,000 to give to missions. By the end of the year, we will have given over 200,000 to missions locally and globally. In the midst of a pandemic, we have been more generous than we planned. Let's praise God for that. That's, that's, that's good. Will 2021 be different? Yes. Can God meet our needs? Absolutely. And we're trusting in him in that. And we don't even know what's coming, but Jesus tell, the, the disciples didn't know either. If you go back to the text, he says, hey, trust in God, trust in me, even when you don't understand what you're about to see. I would suggest to you there's going to be still some things in the next six months. We have no idea what we're about to see, but we can trust God. Amen? Amen. We can trust Jesus. They, they were about to see him arrested. They had no idea about that. They were about to see him uh, drug into, into court, beaten, uh, uh, flogged, uh, a crown of thorns put on his head. They were about to see him nailed to cross. They were about to see him crucified. And Jesus says, you can trust in God and you can trust in me. Keep trusting no matter what comes upon you. Keep trusting him in the middle of the hurt and the doubt, even though you can't make sense of what you see. Here, here's the reality, and I want you to think about it one more time. There's hope for the hurting in the fact that Jesus can be, is completely trustworthy. Here's what he says in, in Revelations 21. He says, the word of God, he who is seated on the throne said, this is Christ speaking, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Even while the world is uh, falling out of chaos at times, Christ is, a, is preparing to make everything new. He, he, he's, a, he's at work doing it. There's also hope for the hurting in the future, our future home in heaven through Jesus Here's a good thing for a while right now. Let's forget about the world around us and let's think about heaven. Man, that's good news. Let's think about heaven. Jesus says this, in my father's house are many rooms, in, in verse two. If we're not so, I would have told you. He, he says, in my father's house, he's talking about heaven now. He goes, there's a place, there, there's, there's so much space. Do you know that heaven, if you look in Revelations chapter 20, heaven, just the city of heaven, the new Zion, is from what I understand, uh, about 1,300 miles long, 1,300 miles wide, and 1,300 miles tall. There's room for us. That's from like Minnesota uh, uh, to, to Miami, cubed that's how much space there is and we get to be with jesus there i did a little research this week 72 cent of americans 72 believe in heaven of some sort of those 72 percent 77 percent of them believe they have a, a good to excellent chance of making it there while their friends have a much less of a chance that's that's what the survey showed that that people believe i've got a good to excellent chance but my friends i don't know let me help you with a little guesswork if you're wondering if you have a chance. If Jesus is not your Lord and Savior, if you've not trusted him, you have no chance of making it to heaven. But we could take the guesswork out of it. When Jesus is our Lord and Savior and we've allowed him to make us new by sharing with his death, burial, and resurrection and putting our faith in him, confessing him as our Lord and Savior, there is not even a chance our salvation is secure. It's beyond chance. It's, it's, it's excellent. It's It's perfect. You might say, well, Tyson, I, I've been a good person. I, I've served others like Jesus told us to do in chapter 13. Uh, I'm a good person. Don't you think I have a chance? Here, here's the reality. There will be good people in hell. And if they haven't accepted Jesus as Savior, there is no hope. So that's why our message of hope in Jesus is so important. And when we are uh, secure in Christ, you know what we can say to the world? Bring it on. No matter if it's a pandemic, no matter if it's a financial crisis, no matter if it's a, a political collapse, 
we can say in Christ, because we're, we're secure in him, we can tell the world, bring it on. And Satan, get behind us because we're focused on Jesus. There's hope for the hurting in our future home in heaven through Jesus. Heaven was going to be, it's amazing. But sometimes we have misconceptions about heaven. My first misconception probably as a child is we were going to be floating on, on clouds playing harps. That was what I thought heaven was because that's what we saw in Tom and Jerry, you know, and in cartoons growing up. Another misconception about heaven is we're going to have a mansion. You're like, well, Tyson, no, I, I know I have a mansion. This is the memory verse I read, uh, John 14, 2. The King James Version kind of had this wrong. It, it, he says there are many mansions. The, the literal translation for this is rooms or places to abide in. Now, here's the reason I want to stress this. The problem is if, if all of us are going to go to a, a gated community with golden streets, and there's going to be streets of gold there, and we're going to be spread out all over heaven and in these vast places in our huge mansions and be alone, that is not what heaven looks like. Jesus is saying, you're going to get to come and be in my house. And we're going to be with him. We're going to be with Jesus and the Father. And that house is huge. You know, it's inside the city that's, that's, uh, that's a huge cube. There's plenty of room. Jesus is saying, I, I'm going to take you to be with me. See, the problem with being a mansion is... In a gated community, it means we'll be miles from the Father. And we, we real, in reality, get to be with him. And that's a trustworthy saying. Jesus prepared the way. Look at Hebrews chapter 6. Here's what it says. This hope is strong. You know, sometimes we wonder, Tyson, well, isn't our hope going to break right now? No, our hope is strong and it's trustworthy. Anchor for our souls. It leads us to, uh, through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. We get to be with him. Remember, in the Old Testament times, they, they couldn't really approach God, really. They could just pray to him, but his spirit was removed from them. Now we get to be with God. Jesus has already gone there for us. He has become our eternal high priest. See, there is hope for the hurting in our future in heaven with Jesus. See, in the Old Testament times, the high priest would make sacrifices on behalf of the people, and the sins would be rolled back, they'd be covered over. But the perfect high priest has become a sacrifice for us. And that sacrifice is perfect, and it's complete, and our sins are gone, and we can be with him. Hey, there's one more thing. There's hope for the hurting in being with Jesus forever. It's kind of redundant here, but not only do we get to go to heaven, but we just get to be with him. The best part about heaven is being with Jesus. While the hardest part about the pandemic is often not being with the ones we love, Jesus says, you're going to be with me forever, and we're going to be together forever. That's true of all Christians. Look, look back to the text, to John 14, starting with verse 2. My, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back to take you to be with me so you may be where I am. That's what's awesome about heaven is we get to be with Jesus where he is. A couple weeks ago, I, I had this new thought. Someone shared it with me, and it really uh, uh, cut to my heart. If, if heaven had everything you ever dreamed of when you got there, I mean everything, Maybe it was a mansion in front of the lake with a, with a Mercedes in the, in the garage and an RV out back and, and everything, everything was perfect, everything like you imagined, and you realize Jesus wasn't there. Would it be heaven? Absolutely not. Amen. There, there's no part about heaven that's a blessing without Christ. And Jesus says, I'm preparing a place so you may be where I am. I love the text... There was still a child. Jesus says this, and the child says, his name's Thomas in this, in this story. It could be you, though. It could be Tyson. 
says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Thomas says, we don't know. And then just like Jesus says, okay, who's going to betray me? He says, okay, whoever I stick the bread in, and he does it. Jesus just lays out the answer. Here's what Jesus says. Look, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Aren't you so thankful Jesus showed us the way? That it became the sacrifice to lead the way so we could be with him, so we could celebrate, even when the world is so full of hurt. I want to ask you right now, are you prepared to be with Jesus? You know, today I, I tried to have a little different approach and be conversational because our world is hurting, and now is not the time where you need to be beat up and, and preached at, but in a conversation to hear the words of Jesus. But there's a point where we've got to get up off our rears and say, we are not going to step back and let this world take us. And we say, bring it on, world, because I have accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Now, I may be preaching the choir this morning because it's 8 a.m., but if you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, it's time. There is no guarantee even for tomorrow, let alone after next Tuesday or in 2021. We have no guarantee, but Jesus is completely trustworthy. And you can place your hope in him. Uh, our hope of heaven and, and being there is made possible through what he's done for us on the cross. And you can rest assured we will be with him if you have made him your Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that, man, I would encourage you to do that today. If you have not trusted in who Jesus is, make that statement. Declare him as your Lord and Savior. Be baptized, be made new, and go from this place with confidence. Father in heaven, I pray that if someone is here today and their hearts are troubled, I pray that they turn to Jesus and trust in him and trust in his Father, that we would spend eternity in heaven and most beautifully, most appropriately, we would be with him. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you stand and sing with us? If you have a decision to make, please come forward.